Quick warning for drivers, this episode of IOM Recommends contains traffic sounds and the ambient soundscape of a city. Rough Dog, known affectionately to the world of electronic music as Ruffy, or perhaps Simon, is a producer and DJ based in Manchester, England. Sai has always marched to the beat of his own drum, sharing his unique taste and vision with the world via a long-standing and semi-legendary NTS radio show, his colourful Rough Cuts imprint, and some seriously taste-making house labels including Rhythm Section, Future Boogie and Wolf, all with an injection of great humour and an emphasis on fun. He's not oblivious to the privilege of doing his hobby for a living. We picked his brains on all things Manchester and even managed to fit in a tale about fixing Flying Lotus's laptop at Red Bull Music Academy the year the two took part in the initiative. Without further ado, IOM recommends Manchester with Rough Dog. IOM recommends local scenes, global conversations. Cool. So sh- should we should we get into it? So Sai, Rough Dog, welcome to IOM recommends. Thank you for joining us. Uh, having me. Of course. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself and letting us know what city you're going to be walking us through and describing your relationship with it a bit. Okay. Uh, hello, my name is Simon. Uh, I am better known as Rough Doug uh, and I am from and live in Manchester. Um, my relationship with this city is, well, it's as long as my life. I was born here. I was actually born in Stockport, uh, for those who know, um, which is just on the edge of Manchester. Uh, I've lived here nearly all of my life. I lived in Australia for eight years uh, and I lived, um, I've lived out of town a few other times, just for short periods of time. But apart from that, I've spent my whole life here in Manchester. Um, and uh, I, I love it here. I'm very, I, I, I had a conversation recently we talking about what it meant to be English and if you were proud to be English or European or whatever. And I'm not, I'm absolutely not proud to be English nor British, but I am very proud to be from Manchester. And that, as someone who's, I, I kind of feel like I'm a kind of internationalist, Republican, sort of anarchic person. So it surprises me that I feel um, a sense of pride about the place that I'm from. But I do. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of our listeners um, would find a lot in common with what you just said <laughs> regarding <laughs> England. But um, so what, what was it that took you to Australia for eight years? And what was it that brought you back to Manchester oh, after was, that period? It was a change. It was just a need of a change. Um, I just finished a, a very long-term relationship. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Didn't know wanted to know anything. I did, didn't know anything really about what was going on. I had no idea. Certainly, I enjoyed going out to clubs at that point and I had some sort of vague dream to be a DJ, like everyone who goes to a club does at some point. But there was nothing really crystallised and real about it. Um, and I had some friends who who, who were from Australia uh, that I'd met in Manchester that had recently moved back to Australia, and they didn't they'd invite me to go over and see them. Um, Got you. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a real you have to have a reason to want to go as far away as possible from where you are. Definitely. Yeah, everybody's sort of running. I was I was in my mid twenties and just running. Um, yeah. Got you. It was great. I had a lovely time there. Amazing. And so then when you came back to Manchester after eight years, why, why that amount of time? What was it that brought you back? Well, so in, in Australia, uh, that's where I, I really, uh, you know, uh, fell in love with DJing and, and fell into this whole scene uh, properly. It's where I bought my first set of turntables, it's where I started my record collection. Um, it's where I put on my first party, started DJing, started making music there properly um, and, and, and really developed over there. Uh, that, that, that's where my, if you want to call it a career, where it really began. Um, I got into the Red Bull Music Academy uh, just a couple of years before I left. That was a massive leap for me in terms of experience and making connections. And I got to the point where uh, I was actually ready to, to, to pack in my day job and, and to start doing music full time. Uh, I was in Australia on a visa. I, wasn't, I didn't have a residency. And um, the conditions of my visa prevented me from not having a job. Um, and so in order to carry on, it was time to leave Australia and to come back. Got you. And that was it. So I came back. And, and by that time, you know, I'd, 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 Europe became this different place to me. Europe and, and the UK, but Europe had become this different place to, 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 to what I had. Like, it had a different relevance to, mm. to when I left because now I was so, I was so much more entrenched in, in, in music and in dance music and pop culture uh, than I was when I left. Uh, it then became apparent to me that Europe and, and particularly places like Berlin and Amsterdam um, had this new significance uh, I, I, because I'd started, I'd started off with collecting minimal techno and so Berlin especially really was this this ultra power centre. You're talking like Mitter, 
2006, 2007, Richie, Ricardo, all that kind of thing. Um, and, and so it, it was like, fuck, I've, I've really got to go and see what's going in Berlin. Um, and so all of these things together, the, the, the not being able to, 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 to leave my full-time job in Australia, the, the, the real desire to get into Europe and see what was going on, um, it all led to a, a, to a return back. And when I came back to yeah. Manchester, I, I didn't want to stay in Manchester. I wanted to move to Berlin. Uh, I, 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 I was still a bit anti-Manchester, a bit anti-home, just because it, it represented old things. And so I came back, and as soon as I got back, I started traveling all over the place. I got to Berlin in October 2008, and I lasted three months. <laughs> I, really? three months. I was really quite depressed. Uh, I was not prepared for a German winter after eight years in Australia. And, um, yeah, by Christmas, I was, I was back at home in my mum's spare room. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in hindsight, are you glad you came back when you did? I ask because you're, I feel like your creative identity is quite synonymous with Manchester, and that may not have been the case had you stayed in Berlin. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, you're dead right. Um, so I'd... I'd, like Rough Dog was didn't exist as a as a as an artist name. I was calling myself some freak then, and um, and then it was in Manchester. I made a tune really quickly. Uh, Trust me was putting on a night, and I wanted to make a tune to impress Trust me. Trust me, see if he signed into his label. And I made this tune really really quick. Turned out and 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 it had a new sound, and I was like, I need to create a new name for this. So Rough Dog came really super quick, and that was it. And it was definitely a Manchester invention. It all happened. Yeah, it all happened in Day and Bank. Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Sweet. yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, and then, and then having returned to Manchester after this abortive attempt to go and move to Berlin, um, it was, it, it was like a little, it was, it, I felt a little defeated at first. I had to go back and get another day job again, which I swore I'd never do and, you know, start again from scratch. Well, not from, well, kind of from scratch, really. In Sydney, I had plenty of connections and was able to play all the time. In Manchester, I didn't really know anybody from music uh, and it took a little while to sort of build that network and make those connections and then to start putting on parties and then to finally yeah you know uh, emerge it took it took it took four years to get rid of the day job I managed to go part time real quick I managed to get down to three days a week after after a year and a half after a couple, yeah after about two years but then yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, it, it took a while to establish, but now it's great because I've been back for thirteen years now, mm. um, and so that time in Australia it doesn't it doesn't even really feel like a like a long period of time. It just feels now continuously like I've been in Manchester. Sure, sure, sure. And it and the Rough Dog project not having been active then must make it quite easy to feel sort of emotionally distanced from that period as well, maybe. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it was a complete rebirth. Sure. Yeah. Can I ask, just because I'm nosy, this is not relevant, but what, can I ask what the day job was at the time? I'm an, I was an IT guy. I am an IT guy. Okay. Um, that's my, that's, yeah, I've just always been a computer geek. And so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I used to be a help desk guy and then a mm-hmm. support guy and then an IT manager, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 The IT manager turned DJ and label owner. That's um, that's inspirational. That you you you. Yeah, it's kind of funny though. It always every once in a while it, it comes in uh, it comes in handy. I remember being at um, this is a good one like fixing Flying Lotus's BIOS at the Rebel Music Academy. You've got to tell us. Come on, come on. It's, it just is. Well, he was like when I was at the academy. It's 2006. He was one of the other participants. He was like just one of the other dudes like the rest of us 1983 dropped while while we were all at the academy wow and he was just this guy called Steve I and mean, we all could he made some good music and a few people had heard of him by then but yeah he was just some guy anyway so he had his he had his computer and it wouldn't turn on one day so I hopped in and fixed it for him <laughs> absolutely amazing just need to is... reset that was all <laughs> that is so funny that is so so funny did you have any other um, were there any other like Big alumni, your year besides Flylo and yourself. No, it was a big year. It was a big year. It was Flying Lotus, uh, Aloe Black, um, Odyssey, um, Sassy J. Um, who else? Some of the big ones. Andrea Triana, who's a who's a 
really, really, she's just been so amazing. Um, a vocalist. Um, so not all from dance music either. Like many mm. people have sort of branched out and done other things. Who else? Bloody hell. I'm, I'm forgetting many more. It was a big year. It was a big year for participants, yeah. That sounds Absolutely. like a huge year. And it was, it was just... It was still when you could get in if you were a nobody, because I was most certainly a nobody. Like, as it, as it progressed, you know, you, you sort of... There were very few people who were in that didn't have, like, you know, 5,000 MySpace friends or a, or a you know, 12-inch or a manager or an agent. But at the time I was getting in, you could still sort of... You could still be just nobody and get in. And... Um, yeah, yeah, and, and 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 plenty of people went on to do many things. Everyone, I think everyone's still sort, everyone's still involved in music and plugging away. In some mm. Regard, but then quite a few people did 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 rise very high. Amazing. We do quite a lot of reminiscing about our BMA uh, um, IOM, and I think we really really miss the. Uh, what am I trying to say? I I, I miss. It was as a kind of young music maker turned person sort of working roughly in this world, I kind of missed knowing it was happening. It's really, I mean, I think it's good that it ended when it did. I think it was, it was, it was absolutely the right thing to do. The world, the world that it ended in versus the world that, world that it emerged in um, are two very different places. Now, if you try to do a Red Bull Music Academy exactly like that, it would be considered an incredibly hackneyed crude brand activation project come up with some idiot intern who should be fired immediately <laughs> it launched in 1999 yeah. it was it was groundbreaking yeah. no one had ever thought about doing anything like this mm. before no one mm. had ever so what Red Bull are, are paying these people to do and they're going to put them in a hotel and what are we getting for it we're getting video we're getting videos videos on the internet that's it and like it, it, and, the, and they, they went for it you know they really went for it um, after the after the financial crisis in 2008, there seemed to be a change. Red Bull seemed to, or maybe maybe it was just because Red Bull bought another Formula One team, but there seemed to be, Red, because what was so amazing about it, it was just these three crazy guys from Germany, Yadastar is the name of the agency, came up with a concept. Um, and, um, and Red Bull just gave them the money and left them alone, and they were able to create this amazing thing. Uh, and then I think sometime, sometime around 2008, 2009, I think Red Bull started to want more control. And you started seeing, this was, this was sort of where it started, you started getting more famous participants. You started getting, well, I mean, then you got like fucking Bjork doing lectures, you know. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was intense. But, you know, it, it, you felt like there was a bit of, um, uh, of, of, of influence from corporate that maybe wasn't there beforehand, which mm. is, you know, it's just, it's, it's not a complaint. That's just how it works. It's amazing that they were allowed to get away with it so long but now this conversation that you and I are having the fact that this isn't you know an acceptable thing podcasting Patreon all these kind of things they all owe such a great uh, a debt to the Red Bull Music because it was the first it was the pioneering sort of guerrilla marketing activation however you want to describe it form and the content is just amazing and the lectures are brilliant but now you can go and subscribe to Martin's Patreon and he'll teach you directly you don't have to you don't have to win a little writing competition first in order to be able to do it. You know, it, it, it was a much more nuanced area. No, that's so true. It was I've... great. It was it was amazing. My favourite lecture is probably um, Theo Parrish from Seattle. Brilliant. Amazing. Really good. Uh, Harvey's from Seattle is amazing. Nice. I find myself going back to um, a few years ago. Tim Hacker did one, and I love his music. I love my. I love ambient music. And there's just this amazing line of um, discussion that he goes down where he's talking about uh, uh, just his approach to recording organs and churches. And he just thinks about music in such an interesting way. They all seem to go. Shackleton went through a, a, a church, well, a drawbar organ phase as well. Have you ever heard any of the thing he I've, did on, uh, I think he did it on Pearl on it was the drawbar chronicles. Uh, or something. Not, no, I've not heard it. I've seen Shackleton. But I, and I actually saw him perform and he's got, he had like this tiny little, it was like a little portable organ but you know because they've got like the stops that you pull out yeah and so it was just a teeny little box with these stops that you could pull out and it just sounded like a church organ yeah. as if you could make get that sound from that is like needs to be cavernous essentially mm. from like some tiny portable box that's absolutely amazing in the great scheme of the rough dog story we are now mm. back in manchester um mm. and we've been there for a long time so i feel very confident in asking you 
in Manchester, where do you go to eat? Um, well, it's really good here right now, these days. I don't know if it's always been like that, but there's, there's, there's just so much amazing food in Manchester. Um, mm. And there's a real, there's a scene around it. I don't know if it's been accelerated because of the last couple of years, because eating was one of the first, you know, social things that opened up. And people really dive into it. But there's just there's just lots of lots of really good food, as I guess there is in, in, in every city these days. Um, there are plenty of great spots. We've got some we've got a Michelin star now. Um, we've got like just amazing restaurants. So my favorite restaurant is where the light gets in, which is in Stockport. Um, it's a really expensive restaurant. It's like, you know, a hundred quid a head sort of thing. Um, high end. It's in the Michelin Guide. It didn't get a star, but it should get a star. It got the green star or something like that because they're fully sustainable, renewable, no waste sort of kind of endeavours. So this guy, Sam Buckley, uh, he's the chef, he's the genius, and he's got a crew. They're taken over. It's like an old coffee warehouse in Stockport. It's a big old, it's like an old Victorian warehouse. It's divided up into, I think they've got like nine tables and then the kitchen's on the other half. Uh, and it's, you know, it's just one of these, I, I'm not really a massive fine dining person. This is probably the only fine dining restaurant I've ever been to. It's the only place I've ever really had like a, a multi-course menu or anything like that. But it's just amazing. Um, the theatre of it all, the music is amazing. Uh, Sam is a musician as well. And the, 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 the yeah, the, the soundtrack, I'm sure he picks the music himself. It's playing while you, while you eat. It's, 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 it's a really wonderful, it's, it's, it's certainly um, the, the best soundtrack uh, the be- in in a restaurant I've ever listened to, as well as as well as the very best food I've ever eaten. But they're just into you know they'll buy they'll basically they'll buy they'll buy a whole a whole sheep and they'll they'll work their way through the sheep. Oh, and you know the so the menu changes every day. So when I was there once, I was having like the sheep's armpit, which they sort of you know done something amazing too, and it was brilliant. And a few days later, people were eating the brains or you know whatever. Wow. It's just a, it, it's 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 a it's a phenomenal place, and there's not really. It's 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 unstuffy and it's just it's just wonderful to eat. It's an amazing place to eat. Was sheep's armpit the best thing you've had there, or just the most memorable? The best thing I've actually had there was some fried onions. Um, really? It was an onion. It was a fucking onion. That's the best. <laughs> Hundred quid plus every visit, and the best thing I ever ate was an onion. It's fucking brilliant onion. This is quickly not becoming a recommendation. No, no, seriously. Like this yeah. is like the the uh, onion. Like it was. Chopped and fried perfectly. No, just, 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 just amazing. It's that wow. kind of place. It's that Got kind you. of place. What sort of soundtrack can you expect to hear there, or does is it oh, all sorts? And he just has amazing just, taste. Just, no, just, just wonderful music. Just, just good listening music. Uh, lots of Gabor Sabo, Three Kingfishers is the track that always um, that, I, that I heard that I, that I remember from the first time I was there. Mm. Um, so you know, not so yeah, yeah, like just, just. Um, I remember, this is back to Rebel Academy again, Danny Wang gave a lecture and he talks about uh, studies that have been done on uh, digestion and music. And if you're listening to loud, fast music, it actually has some sort of impact on your digestion. And that, you know, why mellow, contemplative music actually isn't can be a digestive aid. And I think they get that there. Wow, there's a recommendation. That sounds mm. fascinating. Mm. Okay, amazing. So... Uh, so that's in, the high, and then I've got the other end as well. Give which it. Is, um, which is, well, there's, you know, there's so many great places. So Manchester, for a long time, before the foodie thing, uh, has always been renowned as a, a centre for, for good um, Indian, Indian and Pakistani food. Uh, mm. Well, you know, just food from the subcontinent as well. Shout Bangladesh. And um, Wilmslow Road in Russia, which is near where all the students live, is home to what's known as the Curry Mile which is, um, yeah, it's like a mile of... Well, it's not just curry restaurants now. There's all kinds of... Um, uh, 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 there's, there's like a lot of quite Middle Eastern places, like shisha bars. Uh, you can get like Iraqi food. You can get, uh, you know, Palestinian, Lebanese food. Uh, there's all kinds of Nepalese places, Kurdish places. So it's not just it's not just simply um, chicken korma and, and bindaloo anymore. There's plenty of great shots there, but my favourite place to to eat uh, Indian food um, is... Well, you have two. There's one in the city, which is Cafe Mahava. That's kind of vibey. Um, and it's just a little lunchtime place. Uh, the other shouts also to this and that, which is the most famous kind of rice and three place. Rice and three, I think, is a Manchester thing. A, you get rice and three curries. And so this and that is the 
famous home of the rice and free but absolute bargain i've never heard the phrase rice and free before but i mean so, it is a manchester thing amazing or, or a north thing but then there's also an uh, another amazing um uh, vegetarian um uh Hindu restaurant called sanskruti which is in in well, i don't know you call it withington didsbury or burnage but it's a little bit out of town but it is absolutely banging. That's 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 really good as well. And then so then getting off the the sort of the, the curry vibe. Um, I just had lunch there yesterday. My studio is over in Cheatham Hill. Uh, well, Salford, Cheatham Hill. Uh, they're calling it getting to try to quarter it. Oh, they're calling it the Strange Quarter now because it's um, Strange Ways Prison is right in the middle of it. And so because the prison is in the middle, it, I think because of the prison largely, it's it's the last really uh, undeveloped part of of the of the, the inner city center um and, it, and it, i think it's going to remain that way for a while until they they kind of gentrify the prison and turn it into really expensive apartments uh, but there's still actual real criminals in there so that kind of keeps it raw and keeps it a bit there's there's all kinds of unseemly places there are a few massage parlors and you know dodgy roller doors that you don't know what's going on behind them it's, it's that kind of it's, it's, it's an edgy place anyway in the middle of, of this is um is a Thai place called Bat's Thai. That's um, a little Thai cafe. It's in this building that also has an MOT garage, um, a computer repair shop, and a, and a, a massive part above it. So it's kind of like a, a one-stop shop. You can get everything you need <laughs> if you really want, and then have, have have world-class Thai afterwards. And it really is. It's um, it's just a small little Thai cafe. Um, it's you know plastic seats, plastic everything. You can get takeaway from there as well, uh, and it's the most authentic. Mo- I've spent a bit of time in Thailand. I'm, I'm no no connoisseur, but it's it's really high end, good quality uh, uh, Thai food, and it's really cheap. And very few people know about it. That's Thai. That's amazing. What, what would your order there be, or would you switch it up? Uh, every, I'm just working. I just work my way through the menu. Yeah. Uh, yesterday I had. Uh, just chicken and cashew nut stir fry which is absolutely banging but they do you know all the what they do all the curries they do this thing called la mou which is like um minced super super spicy pork um and then they do i've not had the omelet yet mm. um it's yeah it's just it's just um yeah just just i think there's i think there's 20 things on the menu and it's it's just it's all the faves and they're all really good amazing that's a great recommendation so um in a in a similar vein, uh, where do you like to go to drink? Well, so I I I quit alcohol fifteen years ago, um, which um, it was just before again, just before the Rebel Academy. So I didn't make a tit of myself and get pissed at the Rebel Academy. That's why I stopped. I stopped for two weeks, and I, I still haven't started yet. Um, There's been this whole new um, revolution in alcohol that uh, has happened since uh, since I stopped, you know, craft beers and natural wines and organic shit and all this full-on stuff that, that I kind of feel a bit bad about because it's, uh, I could get really super nerdy. I could see myself getting really into mm. it, but um, grog is not for me. But there are, there, there are, there are, the new place is actually in the strange quarter again. It's called the Derby Brewery Arms. This is the new place. I, I used to work before I, before I even went to Australia, I, I used to work in casinos when I first left school. And there used to be a is the Dodgers Casino in All Manchester in Cheatham Hill, and it was just round the corner from the Derby Brewery Arms. Uh, I used to go drinking in there when I was a, when I was a kid when I just finished working at the casino, and now it's it's the coolest pub in Manchester. And it's, I don't know if someone's taken it over or new management or what, but they're basically the, they've got all kinds of music and bands and things on there, um, and that seems to be that seems to be a, a very cool spot. Um, there are lots of amazing coffee places which I can speak about because um, I, I enjoy drinking coffee a lot. Um, North Tea Power was the original uh, and, and still my favourite, so we're going to shout them. Um, but it's, 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 it's incredible seeing how, uh, how everywhere is a coffee shop now in, in, in Manchester. We've, we've got lots of really good coffee, good local roasteries, good places to drink. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That's perfect. Thank you for that. And uh, where do you go to dance? Uh, just just uh, my bedroom at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Spots. So, I mean, the White Hotel is now feels like the, 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 the best club in the world. Like, it's, um, it's crazy. I mean, for a couple of years now, when I've been going, well, before, before the lockdown, when I would go overseas, 
people would be asking me about the White Hotel. We've, I mean, done a party there for, for years called Wet Play, which is, our, which is the party that we started in Manchester over 10 years ago now, has had its home at the White Hotel probably for about four or five years now. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just perfect, you know? It goes till, it goes all night sometimes. I think when they reopened, they went for a weekend without closing. What do you think distinguishes White Hotel as such a standout club? Because I know there's there's obviously a few in Manchester, but why why is White Hotel your go-to answer? Because uh, it's not because it wasn't a, a nightclub originally. It's it's, it's just the, the setting. It's an old 1950s brick mechanics building, painted white, uh, and inside it's largely um, it's largely uh, uh, untouched. There's still chains and things hanging from the ceiling. Until recently. Uh, the pit underneath where the, the cars that you would the mechanic would go in underneath the cars that was the bar so you'd have to lean down and the bar stuff would be in the pit but then somebody wow. fell into the pit and the council put an end to that so now it's just glossed yeah. over it's this weird they put a piece of glass over the top of the pit so you can stand on it now and sometimes weird things happening underneath uh, it's just a loose place. It's, I think it started as a semi-legal sort of venue. It was, it was sort of an after-party for squat parties and things like that. It used to be called The Bunker, I think. That's how when I first heard of it. And, um, and since then, it's, it's, just, it's just always developed. Um, amazing. And now it's this, this amazing club that's, that's open, you know, four nights a week with just really big nights the nights are always really interesting they've never um, they've never uh, bothered um, but not yet anyway they've not they've not made any concessions really to commercialism just amazing picking very odd nights it's it's definitely um, alternative and queer and, and weird in there quite a lot as it needs to be because it's a it's an edgy mechanic you feel like you're at a squat party when you're there do you get the sense that it has staying power as a venue? Do you think it will last? Because the sad, obviously the sad fact is, in London at least, the venues that you might describe on similar terms either dramatically change their programming in order to survive. Well, that's the first step. And the subsequent step when that change in programming makes them wider known cultural institutions is that investors become interested in that and then that's that. Yeah, I mean, I can never see an investor becoming interested in the White Hotel unless it's to, to flatten it and put a block of flats instead. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, clubs clubs come and go. I mean, they all do. They all mm. do in the end. Um, there's very. I don't think there's don't think there's a single club in Manchester now that wasn't that, that, that's it's been around for longer than forty years. You know, yeah. so that, that that you know that's that's kind of. And that's, we're talking about things like legends there, where 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 Twisted Wheel used to be and stuff like that. You know, that 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 that, that were the, like the long living ones. Most clubs don't last that long. So as to the as to the future, I can't really speak to it. I, I I've been around long enough to see the clubs rise and fall and come and go. Um, and I know that there's enough space in Manchester for there to be other spots. Um, there hasn't been. That hasn't been like a, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little out of touch. There doesn't seem to have been a, a, like a new cool club for a while. Though. Uh, maybe there's time for one. Because the White Hotel now is definitely um, a few uh, a few more iterations along its sort of path, whatever path it is, than it was, say, five or six years ago. It would be okay. difficult for another wet place. It is difficult for wet place to get a night. <laughs> you know, so we've been there for five years and we're finding it tricky to get bookings now. So you know, it, 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 it's the, the needs to be because it used to be the White Hotel was where you where you'd book in a night if you couldn't get into Supercultural, if you couldn't get into somewhere else, or if you were too weird to get in anywhere else. Got you. So because weird is kind of cool now and weird is kind of big, um, it's the White Hotel is not an underground club anymore. Is is guess the point I'm making? Okay. We're very, we're very we're very lucky that at the moment what is above ground is also culturally very good and relevant and interesting. It's quite a quite a rare thing, quite a difficult balance to strike, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, definitely, it is, it is. But then you know, the concept of the underground is is very different to what it once was. I'm very subjective as well, as it always has yeah, been. You yeah, yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, underground is a word, really. I've, 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 yeah. I've seen people arguing about whether things are underground or not, and it's never a good luck. And I'm always quite quick to leave the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Okay, no, that, that's super interesting. Thanks for that. Um, and you are, by your own admission, someone who has been um, 
crate digging since before it was cool. So um, I would love to know where you dig for records. Yeah, we've got King B Records. I mean, it was in The Guardian this week as one of the 50 top independent shops in the UK. As you do. Uh, and it was, well, it was, there was King B and then this place Form, which is a, like a homeware shop, and they were the only two Manchester um, entries in this entire list. King B's terrific. It's not far from here. It's just up the road in Chorlton. Really good secondhand place. It's really close to like Hume and Moss Side. So when um, a lot of uh, a lot of people start getting rid of the collections ten years ago, uh, loads and loads. This is why this is why one of the reasons why Street Soul is so popular now is because ten or fifteen years ago, a bunch of us were buying loads of dirt cheap Street Soul from King B because that's the only place because you, you could get it there and it, nobody was really bothered about it. And then we all started playing it, and now it's all worth the worth the bomb. Um, yeah, really good selections, really great music. I don't know how they source all the records. I think it's just the proximity to one of the largest sort of um, Black West Indian populations in in, in Manchester, uh, which is you know they've got which has its own sort of music scene and own sort of value placed on collecting. It's interesting. You can go to different places. You go to there's a place called Endless, which is in Presswich, which has got big Jewish community, uh, and you've got. Um, place to go for all the really amazing white music and then King B because it's close to human life side place to go for all the really amazing black music from Manchester um, and then like in terms of new shops then there's um, Piccadilly is a, is a standout favourite and then there's Tom Horton has started a, a shop in Stockport called All Night Flight which is the closest thing Manchester has to like a, a red light records or, a, or I don't know something like that or an idle moment if you like uh, and and he has a, a fantastic, very well, uh, very well curated, to use that awful word, uh, collection of records for sale. That are often quite expensive, but but worth it. But he's a new record shop. He's open yeah, somewhere well, relatively it's, it's central also, in the yeah, city, so yeah. he he has he doesn't have the advantage of a steady stream of customers thanks to a reputation he's built over decades you know he's opened recently yeah. and it's not the, the way you know it's what? 2021 and he's got to do something i think he's doing all right you know i think he's yeah. doing okay because he's, he's just t- made that decision to tom used to work at eastern block uh he's, you know he's, he knows records and he's got that he's sort of been able to catch that wave of people who like i guess he was he was all the kids he was selling good techno to like five or six years ago uh, are now like in their late 20s, early 30s and still love listening to music but they're ready to move beyond techno but that's the sound palette and so now now they're interested in getting into weird industrial stuff strange Japanese music new age all the real kind of like boom cat plus sort of music and um, yeah He's got it all for them. He's got it all for them, and he's he he, he, he really yeah. It's really interesting. It's 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 a good site. There's no one, there's no one that's really that I can find. There's no shop that really has the same sort of um, uh, kind of taste profile in terms of the 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 the, the key stock. He's got plenty of good secondhand two quidders as well. You know, like you can go and have a good old dig. But he's got this just this really interesting mix of sort of fourth world, new age. Um, and then you know, like good Detroit techno, um, bits of like rhythm and sound and, and burial mix, and you know, it's just it's, it's it's an interesting collection. It would be like if uh, if the people who run Boomcat sort of took over Red Light Records. Amazing way to describe it. That's an excellent way to describe. It. I'm sure it'd be yeah. flat. I think it'd be flattered by the uh, <laughs> by the pitch. I, there. I think it's impossible to flatter Tom Horton. Let me say. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Where do you go to escape? When we ask this, we're wondering if there is a, a, a park or a library or some kind of comparable space where you feel most able to clear your head. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. Like we've got uh, Manchester's got plenty of green space. I've just got a really lovely little park just around the corner, Victoria Park, um, which has just been a, an absolute lifesaver during the lockdowns. It certainly was to have just a nice big open green space, uh, you know, literally 200 metres away. Um, you know, and it's a beautiful old Victorian park. So it's got nice, you know, it's everything's nicely landscaped. And it just, it's just wonderful to walk around. But then as, as well as that, we're also very well served by loads of cycle paths. Uh, and we've got, we've got this incredible canal network that runs through, you know, runs through Manchester and, and beyond. 
Uh, and we've got this thing called the Transpennine Trail, which is uh, it actually it goes, it goes all the way. It goes west to east. So it starts in Liverpool somewhere and it comes out over there somewhere. And you can ride, you basically ride your bike along the whole thing. So the, 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 there's just plenty of great bike rides to be done. And yeah, there's all kinds of lovely out. It's not something that people immediately kind of associate with Manchester. They just always think it pisses down here all the time. Um, are you are you much of a cyclist yeah 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 nice i don't ride in november because it's fucking really windy i used to i used to ride when i had my day job i would ride to work every day and um yeah even in november it's pretty horrible that's nice we had a we we spoke to rhythm section last night for this podcast and we had a really good chat about how uh, bradley was telling us that he has an inflatable uh, vessel and that he him and his mates are quite keen taking it like just down various canals and kind of seeing where they end up and then it got us thinking about cycling and how in a similar way it's such a nice fulfilling and almost creative way to like join the dots of a city particularly a city as big as London which has a tube system like you go if you get the tube from A to B you're just in A and then you're in B you have no idea what's between and you might feasibly never know what's in between if that journey is your commute and you don't own a bike or a or a barge no no you're dead right I only started really it, it was only when I started riding a bike in London that I started making those connections what are your favourite Manchester-based uh, cultural organisations? Anything from a radio station to a great collective to a great label? I mean, it's, it's, the, it's Partizan, Partizan Manchester, which cool. is, well, the Partizan Collective. Um, been running now for a while, about four or five years, I think. They started off in Cheatham Hill, um, just up the road from the Amazing Thai place. Uh, and these days they're, um, they're in Salford now. They're around the back of Islington Mill, which is another amazing institution in Manchester. Uh, Partizan was started, I think I'm right in saying this, it was started by a bunch of students um, who wanted to just create a, a, a collective. They, I think they were just all a bunch of like-minded uh, leftist weirdos who wanted to put together something. I get a sense that if it had existed 15 years ago, it would be, would be described or would, would exist as like an artist-run squat. You know, is is that kind of those sort of organisations? They've got some familiarity with them, but because it's the, it's not ten or fifteen years ago. It's now, and because there's all kinds of new things. These guys, well, these people got together. Um, they were able to get like a caretaker lease on a building, uh, so they had a physical premises, and they they, they incorporate themselves as a as a as a as a you know wholly self-owned, self-running cooperative, mm-hmm. and it is still completely like that so everybody's a member everybody pays to be a member uh, and they have a space and they have um, a variety of resources they've got a risograph printer they've got you know internet there they have offices that you can use they've got meeting space that you can use and um, if you want to take part and they put on a lot of events and all the all the any revenues raised from their events then go back into the space but they also go into facilitating the use of the space for Marginalised groups, um, you know, uh, uh, refugees. Um, uh, um, when 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 momentum was a thing, and they were they were really pushing on the Jeremy Corbyn thing. They had a you know they were they were using the space to do all the telephone canvassing or the telephone um, campaigning. You know, so they 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 this this fascinating space because it it. it it's kind of it's it's a it's a physical space that's that's open to to pretty much anyone who wants to use it. The last time I was in there, there was a some queer group were having a meeting down the down the end, and so it's there. It, it gives it gives a lot of marginalised people um, a physical space to exist, and so then therefore gives them a platform. But it also hosts just just excellent events. Um, putting a bunch of parties there, and putting on another party there this Saturday. Um, it has a small capacity. Uh, it only holds about 80 people at the moment in its current incarnation. Um, and um, it's just a really amazing group. And the things that have come from it uh, are, are amazing. The, the, I suppose the most notable thing within the frame of our culture is, uh, is All Hands on Deck, which is um, an entirely... Well, it's, kind of, so it's female, trans, queer. It's basically anyone except for straight guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> community. Uh, and it's a collective and it's basically about about helping female, trans, queer, non-gendered, just not white guys, basically, um, giving them a platform, teaching them to DJ, helping them to DJ and doing it. So all hands on deck, it always starts, well, often we'll start with a workshop. And so if you're, if you, as long as you don't identify as a man, you can show up and then, um, and and there's a, you, you'll be brought in and they have loads of decks set up and everyone's taught to, you know, because it's, you know, it's like, man, it's so fucking blokey being a DJ. It's, it's just, just, all these dicks swinging around, you know, and it's, you can you you can see I've experienced it. I've you know uh, one step removed. How um, it's I mean it's intimidating. It's intimidating for guys, you know. If you're a female and you're in that environment, you, you, it can be super intimidating. So they're, they're all hands on deck is all about smashing that and creating loads of opportunities um, for, for for non-men to um, to get on the decks and have a go. And so. There's there's a core of I think about four or five who started doing it and 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 you know they're always there and they're all terrific DJs and they will and so and they're just and they're not just terrific, you know they're actually really good DJs they're, and 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 these days they've got a real profile they'll go out and play gigs and do all that kind of thing so it's kind of cool because you're showing up now and and there's these you know you've got these great role models immediately and then they the, you go through you do your you do your you, you know you have your workshop you try scratching a record you're mixing an mp3 whatever works have a buzz and then they have a bit of an open deck session afterwards you can go and play some tunes and everyone will have a dance and then they just have a rave and it's amazing it's been going for a while now and anybody who goes along is automatically then part of the collective so just like showing up then you're in the gang that's it and if there's ever an open decks then you're a member of all hands on deck and you can go along and have a go if you want Incredible! It's, it's like it's, it's like the exact opposite of like of like what what lads would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can agree more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which would just be like a room full of record boxes and lots yeah. of lads with sharp elbows, just like, ensuring you know? yeah. that no one else gets to go. None of that would have. I, I, well, I'm sure it would have been possible, but partisan provided what you need in order to do that. You need a space that's going to be open and going to let that happen. And, and the founders of Partisan, is it still the same core group who started it years ago who operate it today? Um, there are a few people who are, who are involved at the beginning that are still involved, but many, it's it sort of evolves and it moves along. It's a nebulous beast. Quite a kind it's of youngins. It's a it's a super young one. I think I'm. I, I don't know if I'm the oldest member of Partizan, but I've got to be one of them. Um, and it's um, yeah. It's just it's just such a it's such a terrific um, uh, uh, just a terrific organisation. Uh, the way it's set up, the way it's run, um, the way it carries on doing things um, is just it's just it's just really great. And all the people involved are just so wonderful. And it. it it seems to it seems to not have an agenda. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it does, or, or, or I can't. can't just, but you, you just feel like it's just. Um, I feel like it's an amazing place. I love it because it's a space. I, I I'm able to access it. You know, um, they're going to let me go in there and and put on my weird little parties, so I can do my crazy little experimental things here in Manchester and just 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 make all these mistakes in places like this. And, it, and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's great to have a space like that. So I have this party this Friday, this Saturday, and putting my sound system into it. You know, building this audio file sound system. We do it as a fundraiser for Partisan. So they're just going to take all the money. It's not going to cost me anything to put it on. I've got no risks involved. I just got to show up on my sound system and have a laugh. Amazing. They trust me, I trust them. Yeah. We've sold out the party. The party sold out in minutes, you know. So we've just got nothing to worry about here. And so I've got this little space where we can do these sort of things. And it's not just me; it's anybody, uh, I, 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 and that exists. Um, yeah, is is really good in a city like this. It, it's vital. You can have as many, you know, you fuck where I'm project, man. Seriously, like, you know, it's, it's, you can just, super clubs are everywhere, and 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 that's not that's not actually important to a nightlife uh, or to the culture anyway. It, it's important in that it employs people and it gives a lot of people a very safe first experience. But what actually matters genuinely to the further into the culture is is a place like partisan because that's a place where if you're actually genuinely interested in engaging with a culture in, on on a on a on a on a significant level that's a place that's going to give you the opportunity to do that uh, as a complete nobody 
Totally. And it's just the sort of place where inspiration is made as well. It's sort of, mm. it's a seed for the next generation of, you know, that the, the yeah. by virtue of that inclusivity, it becomes, it becomes a kind of seed for the next generation of inclusive dance music adjacent or just generally creative projects like it and nothing like it. And the fact that during the week it's it's used as a as a hub for all these different kind of marginalised alternative communities means that it's so much more than just a nightclub. Um, yeah, it's barely a nightclub. It's 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 this this societal focal point. And then you get all this. You'll get people who are in like you know young queer kids that are just trying to work out what everything means. We're coming in on a Wednesday night, seeing a poster for something on a Friday, thinking, well, if it's here, it must be sound, and coming down and getting the minds blown by the most amazing out there music because it's the kind of place where you can play the most there. And so you, you and similarly, people who come in, so like everyone who works behind the bar is a volunteer, nobody gets paid for anything, you know. So people are coming in on the weekend thinking they're just going to a club night, find this weird space. What do you mean you're a volunteer? What do you mean no one's getting paid? And, that idea is infecting them, you know, those wonderful cross-pollination. It's not going to happen in the warehouse project. No, no, it's not. It sounds so valuable to the community and it sounds like its value perpetuates its value, if that makes sense. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, many of the, so many of the young, this next generation of young Manchester DJs, so I'm just thinking immediately off the top of my head, there's all hands on deck, Sophie K, people like this uh, who, who, who've come up through Partizan, basically. And are now, well, Sophie's in London now, she's just doing, you know, she's, like smashing away through the through the you know system there um it's um it's 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 great amazing i mean that's a that is just such a brilliant answer thank you so much for sharing all that with us it sounds amazing um i wonder if your answer to this next question is going to be the same uh, <laughs> but i was would love to know what your best kept manchester secret is oh, you know what so it's an ethiopian restaurant in the in the in the gay village it's called habesha uh, it's above, it's above a chippy. Um, you wouldn't know about it if you didn't know about it. Um, and it's been there for a long time. Uh, yeah, it's just just mind blowing Ethiopian food and vibes. Um, yeah, often when people, it's it's a place that if I'm going out, if I'm going out to eat with someone from Manchester, you can often take them there, and it's just nice to to surprise someone in their own hometown. So if you ever eat Ethiopian food, you get the you get the big the big sour pancake. We call it the injera. So you just it's all finger food. There's no cutlery. So what happens is you get like a you get this big pancake that's um, it's fucking massive. Yeah, it's, it's big and it's just got little piles of all the different sort of kind of they're not curries but you know stews and things. And then you yeah. just tear off a bit of the pancake and then you just get a bit of like meat or whatever and then you eat it. And then at the end of you just got an empty plate at the end. So you just get the big pancake with everything on it. Nice, nice, nice. And lastly, people have like a variety of reactions to this question. The rhythm section crew who I mentioned earlier were, were horrified that we had the gall to ask it, but uh, where is over... <laughs> forbid you get Bradley to weigh in on something bad. Hideously off-brand, isn't it? Um, where is it overrated? I'll tell you where it's overrated, mate. Fucking Old Trafford. Man, you... <laughs> <laughs> City that's, boy the, then. that's the right answer yeah 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 of course of course um you know what i mean it's it's i don't know i don't know it's it, i'm going to give an even more diplomatic answer than bradley um it's it's just overrated is a is a thing i think it's up to up for people to find find for themselves what's overrated um it's 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 so popular in Manchester to hate on the warehouse project uh, i've been once uh, which was over 10 years ago uh, I hated it. Um, it's not for me. I'm about 30 years too old, I think, for the warehouse project. It was a very different I, I, 10 years ago. Uh, do you know what I didn't like? So what I didn't like, I didn't like, I didn't like the big queues with all the fucking sniffer dogs. Mm. I didn't like the fact that once you'd gone in, there was just like, I mean, I'm sure it's a bit nice now, there was, but it just wasn't for me. It was rows and rows of portaloos with really bright lights on them and moody looking bouncers around and, People like that work for the venue wandering around with trays of poppers selling poppers overpriced because you know everyone had like got rid of the drugs. So you just got everyone on poppers and Stella in there. Like it's 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 not that's not my rave. That's not my rave. But um I don't think it's meant to be my rave. Uh I think it's um, you know, most people, most people these days, that's their way in. 
Um, mm. You know, that's, that's what you do is you go warehouse. Uh, and they come from all over and everyone has their first experience at the warehouse. And if you're having your first experience at the warehouse project, it's infinitely better than having your first experience down Deansgate Locks where you might get your drink spiked or fucking to really shite music. You know, in, in, in that grand scheme of things, it's, 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 it, it serves its purpose very, very well. Um, I understand why they've got all the sniff dogs because they've got an enormous duty of care. And I understand why, the, why, the, why they've got moody bouncers hanging around the portaloos and the portaloos have got very bright lights because you've got a lot of people coming in and you're not being particular about who you're inviting in. So you will get, you, you know, you do have the risk of bringing a few wrongings in, but you take that risk because you want to give everyone a big, glorious experience. I get all that. It's just not for me. But I mean, that's, 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 that's that. Um, yeah. It, this, the, Dean's getting locked is overrated. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound like anyone could possibly make an argument for it after that description. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, there, there are plenty of really awful places in Manchester that you can, you know, you can, you can be well advised to steer clear from. No, fair enough. And you're right. That is an extremely diplomatic answer. I hadn't considered the warehouse project in that way, but you're right. That regulation must make for a safer and more secure first a kind of gateway party for a lot of people than something else yeah. might. Then what happens is people, and because Manchester's got this rich nightlife, this rich, you know, club culture, then people will go to the warehouse project for the first time and will have that experience and maybe they won't be completely satisfied because it's not completely satisfying and maybe that will, but that will just kick off some sort of itch and in the process of scratching it, they'll find Hidden and they'll find Soup Kitchen and they'll find the White Hotel and then they'll find Partizan. And they'll go, oh, right, okay. Or maybe they won't. Maybe the warehouse project's all they need, you know? It, it, yeah. it, it, just, it just is what it is. Um, I hear the lights this year are amazing, though. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, the light, but the light, it's actually my pal who's one of the light programmers, but it's, it's, it, this is what everyone's saying, is that the, 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 really, the production this year is absolutely mind-blowing. Um, amazing. Yeah. Sweet. Take that word for me. Yeah. No, fair enough. That feels like a good note to uh, to end it on. All right. Yeah. Cool. Nice one. Thank you very, very much, Sai. Rough Dog. Sure.